Good afternoon and welcome everybody into another edition of the Devoted Steelers Podcast. I am the D, as in Dimitri George, joined alongside my co-host. As always, he is the V, Vince Paparella. And Vince, let's jump right into it. Vince, we have a tremendous, tremendous episode ready for our listeners today as we are joined by our good friend and former guest of the show, Cody Benjamin from CBS Sports, our good friend from college, as well as just a great... uh, Father, husband, and a great friend, uh, Cody. Welcome again to another uh, edition of the Steelers Devoted, the Devoted Steelers podcast. Uh, we're here to talk about the offseason. That uh, happened, uh, obviously, a little earlier than expected for most Steelers fans, as well as, obviously, the Eagles' disappointment this year. So there's a lot to talk about. Uh, but first and foremost, how have you been? It's been a while since we've chatted. Look, it's great. I, uh, I always appreciate how you dive right into the personal um... – you know, it's not just CBS Sports Writer. You give me all the titles. So um, I'm glad to be back on with you and Vince. We're glad to have you. And as I mentioned, right, we're, we're it's the off season. The season just ended for all 32 teams. So naturally, let's switch gears as the NFL is really truly a 365-day uh, calendar here. Um, we're talking – obviously, COVID's kind of kind of put a damper on some things. I, I, I think there was thought that there might not be a combine this year and – uh, some of the pre-draft process might be a little different than usual, but um, I wanted to dive right into both PA uh, professional football team situations. And Cody, I do want to start with the Eagles being that they did have obviously uh, a head coaching change um, as well as many of their uh, staff is kind of, I mean, some higher name guys, Jim Schwartz uh, stepped, you know, stepped down. I think officially he's taken a year off. I think that's what that's kind of what the, the, the thought process is there. Deuce Staley obviously had a bit of a um, uh, little bit of a messy breakup, I guess, uh, ultimately jettisoning for Detroit to join um, Dan Campbell's staff. Um, so give me your thoughts, obviously, with the new head coach there and Nick Sirianni uh, coming over from Indianapolis. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator there. Also coached wide receivers from 2006 to 2008 on all three of our – at all three of us, uh, our alma mater, IUP. Give me your thoughts, just a quick just synopsis on what your thoughts of uh, Nick Sirianni are. Well, I mean, the Eagles as a whole, um, I think you just have to start with this is a – you know, this is a season of transition. This is a rebuild. I mean, this is – there's no other way to put it. I mean, when you're – you know, a few years ago, obviously we're, we're coming off the Super Bowl um, just just this week. And a few years ago, you know, we were celebrating the Eagles as world champions. I mean, the team that won the Super Bowl, I mean, it, it already looks a lot different. But in 2021, when these Eagles take the field, I, I mean, it's going to be apparent from the sidelines to the roster that this is um, this is a far cry from that championship roster. I mean, this is a, a total overhaul, except for at the general manager position and obviously the owner spot. Um, as far as the head coach, um, you know, I think Nick Sirianni checks the boxes, um, you know, on paper. He's uh, he's younger. He's kind of an ascending offensive mind. Uh, he was Frank Reich's handpicked offensive coordinator in Indianapolis. When he was with the Chargers as a wide receivers coach, he oversaw some career years from their su- starters. He survived two teams, had coaching changes. He, he comes from a strong football family. So, I mean, the resume is there. It's just, you know, if you look at the staff he's building around him, he's not bringing in a whole lot of uh, guys who have head coaching experience or have even been in the NFL for that long. He's going with a first-time defensive coordinator. He's going with very young position coaches. And to me, that speaks to what Jeffrey Lurie was talking about when he announced Doug Peterson's dismissal, that this is not a – a one or maybe even two, three year fix. This is, this is a long-term staff process. Um, I wouldn't be so confident that the front office is being led by who it needs to be led by to complete that process. But, you know, Nick Sirianni on his own, I think is a, is a fine head coaching candidate. You know, Cody, we talk about the Eagles, obviously the most recent success came from Doug Peterson and the falling out was kind of, you know, almost at a record pace. You know, it, I, I think of when I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, for an example, they kind of, when a quarter, when a coach buys or wins the Super Bowl, they buy a lot of time. You know, and you kind of think that 
throughout the league is that when a coach wins the Super Bowl, especially with a backup quarterback in the fashion that they did so, that they would buy a lot of time. You know, and three years later, um, he's out the door. So, you know, what do you kind of make of that kind of just down spiral, for lack of a better term, and what do you expect for Doug Peterson next? Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into the Eagles quarterback situation too, but if you look at that and the head coaching situation, I think there's no way to spin this other than this is an organizational failure. Um, you should not have a head coaching change, you know, three calendar years after winning the Super Bowl. Um, now, as far as the you know, why did this happen, it's not, you know, it's not a one-sentence answer. I mean, Doug Peterson contributed to, to this. The quarterback situation contributed to this. The front office did. Um, I think that the one thing, you know, I think Doug Peterson, the one thing that he always did well, or at least that was always uh, to his credit, was that the team never gave up. And that sounds cliche, but through their decline over the over the years after the Super Bowl, you never saw a team that checked out. And sometimes you do see that around the NFL. Um, the Eagles mm-hmm. saw that with Chip Kelly. Uh, and and that, that never happened. Guys never disliked Doug Peterson. Um, the one thing he always had going for him was the support of his guys. Um, but the biggest concern... I think from from management and, you know, if, if you were asking me personally, was, you know, his supposed specialty, the offense, uh, got progressively worse each year after the Super Bowl. Now, he did fine with the backup quarterbacks, um, but they went from, you know, one of the best offenses in the NFL in 2017 to either boring or sluggish or both in 2018 and 2019. And then in 2020, the whole thing cratered. Your, your franchise yeah. quarterback went down. Um, the lineup decisions, you know, we could nitpick throughout everything, you know, starting Alshon Jeffrey, who's coming off surgeries over the young guys who, you know, there's, there's decision after decision that it was just everything got progressively worse. And so while the Eagles never quit on him, um, they also never looked that prepared to play football until maybe December. And so, you know, you, you compound that with the poor front office decisions and the quarterback, uh, you know, huge regression there, and that explains it. But, yeah, I mean, no matter how you spin it, whether it was justified or not, it, it just proves that, I mean, man, 2017 for the Eagles looks more and more like kind of a, an anomaly. Real quick, and, and it's a great segue into my question, and I was talking to another buddy of mine who is also an Eagles fan. If you would have – would you have signed up for that one Super Bowl win if you knew that this was ha- this was going to happen a mere two, three years later? It's it's an awesome, a perfect question because I think Eagles fans are, you know, they joke about this now, like as if it's some kind of transaction with, you know, the football gods or something. Like, we'll give you the Super Bowl <laughs> as long as, you know, but, but the ensuing uh, destruction is just going to be, you know, on another level. And so I here's the thing. I think right now, most people would say, yes, they would trade that. I, you know, I think you'd be crazy because if you look back and, and you, you look at the Super Bowl run, something that the Eagles, you know, at the time when they won the Super Bowl, uh, it, it was hard to believe that Philadelphia actually won a Super Bowl. And so it was a long time coming. I think most people would, would still trade it. And I would say if you look at the situation 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, the answer to that question will be no doubt. Um, because look, even if the Eagles were in the NFC championship hunt, uh, these last few years, it is really hard to get back to the Super Bowl, let alone win it. Uh, and so I would say, yeah, it, it looks really ugly now, but they wouldn't trade it back. Yeah. And I think that's, the, I think that's the right answer. I'm sorry, Vince, I didn't mean to cut, cut you off. I think that's the right answer. Anytime, anytime you add a, add a Lombardi trophy to the to the trophy case, uh, you certainly take it. And like you said, while it seems bleak, who knows? Sirianni, we have him a chance, right? Uh, and this could it could be a quick turnaround more earlier than um, and expected. But uh, it was just an interesting thought, right? That it's basically you got to sell your soul to just get one Super Bowl win, and then all of a sudden now you're going to be in the in the doormat of, of the NFC yeah. East, uh, for a let, few years. Let which... me just compare it. I mean, I, I think, no, I mean, even if the Eagles are, are horrible for the next decade, um, you know, and, and players say... Which I don't think it's going to well, happen. And pl- but players say this after they win the Super Bowl, like no one can take this away from us. And that's the same thing. I mean, the Eagles could be horrible for a decade, for 20 years, 
And people will still look back and say, you know, when they look at the 2017 highlights, when they go back to the video yearbook of, of the Super Bowl run, they'll be like, man, those were some, you know, those, those were some awesome times with Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz. Um, so you, you just, you're never going to erase that. And so if you would say, would you take Andy Reid's career with the Eagles, you know, exactly how it went. You went to the NFC Championship a bunch of times. You went to a Super Bowl but lost. Or you would take Doug Peterson's. I mean, look, in the long run, when we look back on it, I think there'll be fond memories from both, but you're just you're not going to turn down that championship. Exactly. If you were to ask, you know, as an example, you know, living in Ohio, if you were to ask a Browns fan, Bills fan, a Lions fan, a Bengals fan, the exact same question that you just asked Cody, <laughs> there and, you know, it's a thousand percent. So I, I don't think that every franchise answers that question. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think especially the first one's the sweetest and then you move on from there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I, uh, no, it was just an interesting conversation that we were having and listen, let, let's just call it what it is, right? This is a, it's a fascinating time to be a Philadelphia Eagle fan supporter, sport, uh, radio host in, in that, in that city, just because of, like you said, right? You know, you went, you go from winning the Super Bowl three years ago to now that same head coach who took you to the playoffs two years after that, while they weren't the 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 second the year after. Obviously, they they were, you know, and Alshon Jeffrey was it a fumble or a drop away from maybe beating the Saints? Very um, close. And then the next, and then the next year, obviously Carson Wentz get, gets hurt early in that game against the Seahawks. You know, and you know, obviously they kind of had a. Uh, um, scratch and claw their way into the playoffs, but they still made it. And they, you know, they had a pretty decent chance that Carson not get hurt in that game to win it. And then obviously this year taking the step back, it's just interesting. You go from that such the NFL high and really the sports world high. And then just a a, a quick three years later that every, pretty much everyone's gone and transitioning now into what has now become the talk of the NFL post Super Bowl and even leading up into it a little bit because the reports came out. It's going to happen soon. Is Carson Wentz is the next QB domino to fall? Uh, what are what are your thoughts, Cody, as a uh, a guy who has followed this situation closely? What are your thoughts on it? What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What do you think is the most likely? Just give us your Carson Wentz uh, opinion and or thoughts. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we could spend an hour on this. I mean, I don't want to rehash too much of what's. Um already been reported i mean the the overview is um there's no pretty way out of this uh for the eagles and they've backed themselves into a corner here in many ways um and so howie roseman the general manager of the eagles the same guy who gave carson wentz a 128 million dollar contract extension uh you know not that long ago is is now trying to shop him on the open market. At least that's what the reports are saying that the Eagles are listening to offers and that doesn't leak from the team side unless the Eagles are, you know, proactively looking to deal Carson Wentz and, and the consensus, you know, in and around Philadelphia is that that's at least partially being engineered by Carson Wentz who has issues with the leadership and not just Doug Peterson, who's now gone, but, primarily the front office that drafted a quarterback in the second round, uh, you know, right after giving him an extension. Now, you know, again, I don't want to rehash too much here. I think that 2020 uh, Carson Wentz was bad. There's no debating that. Um, I think you can put a lot of the blame on Carson Wentz. I think you can put a fair amount of blame on the front office and the coaching that kind of enabled his regression. Um, but for the Eagles, the, look, the, the point is right now, they need to figure out what they're doing with him. Are they, if they are actually moving on from him, that's a huge deal. I know that the Rams just did this with a number one overall pick in Jared Goff, but it is like to, to imagine, um, like it, it, you don't stumble upon franchise quarterbacks. Okay. Like even with the top five pick, we see that, you know, the Rams are trading away their, their number one pick in Goff. Um, Carson Wentz is his extension hasn't even kicked in yet. He, uh, you know, he's three years removed from being an MVP candidate. He's the guy who threw no more than seven interceptions from 2017 to 2019 in a single season. Last year was a big regression. But you have to – when you're the Eagles now, you have to weigh four seasons of good, occasionally great quarterback play 
with one season of really bad play. And, and, but the, the problem is, like I said, that whatever the outcome is, whether it's a trade, which seems very likely, um, or keeping him, there's no pretty way out of this because if you have Carson Wentz return after all this, I mean, I don't know how that works with Jalen Hurts still on the roster. If you trade him away, more than likely he's going to go on, and, and as long as he has a, a decent supporting cast, he's probably going to succeed elsewhere, and you're going to have to figure out, is Jalen Hurts the quarterback, or do you have to restart the position entirely? Yeah. You know, this is, this is about the Eagles in general, but speaking to that, one of the things I really noticed last season, and if you totally disagree with me, please tell me, there, and I associate this with Pittsburgh as well, there is a level of stubbornness within the Eagles organization when it comes to drafting, when it comes to, you know, just kind of doing what they want to do. Like at the end of the season, do you think Doug Peterson now kind of looked back and say, I decided to play Nate Suffield for a quarter at the end of the game? Well, because I was trying to get a better draft pick and not be there. And like, there was just always a level of stubbornness as far as who the quarterback was, who they're going to draft, what the Eagles are trying to do. And I think that kind of ultimately led to the position that they're in now with the quarterback and with the personnel, because we know they struggle with, you know, getting people healthy. We don't know, you know, exactly what causes that. They have an aging offensive line. They replenish the defensive line to, a, you know, almost a fault. And they have very bad success drafting wide receivers. So, you know, is that more a Lori thing or, you know, just was that a Peterson thing? What do you think that was? Yeah, Vince, no, I mean, you, you bring up a really great point about this. Um, I, I don't know about, you know, how much the Nate Sudfeld uh, decision factors into this, but this idea of, kind of an organizational, um, you know, I don't even know what the correct word is here, but you're right. I mean, it's a stubbornness, but it's kind of built at, it's an ego. It's an organizational ego. Um, and, and it is very real. Okay. So if you listen to guys that cover this team on a regular basis, I mean, they are, they are all in on this idea that look, the Eagles, you know, the general manager situation, uh, Howie Roseman and, and the guys around him, they did assemble, a Super Bowl winning roster in 2017. They they deserve all the credit for that, just as Doug Peterson deserves all the credit for coaching them, and Carson Wentz deserves all the credit for quarterbacking them until Nick Foles took over. But the thing is, since then, they have swung and missed um, in roster assembly, in in drafting, in, in every area. And I do think that there is this idea of we're kind of a, you know, I I, I hate to um. I'm just trying to think of the right word for it, but it, it's this idea that they know better than the rest of the NFL. And so, um, you know, one example would be this current situation with Carson Wentz. Uh, it's it's pretty apparent that the reports about them listening to trade offers are coming from the Eagles' side to try and drum up a market. Now, if Carson Wentz has actually expressed to them behind the scenes that he would like to be traded and they are working on that, you know, they could easily go out like the Lions with Matthew Stafford and say, you know, we agree, we've agreed that this is a mutual, like we need to we need to split ways right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they're doing, and, and there's there's reason for the way they're doing it, but what they're doing is trying to make it look like, um, you know, they're just picking up the phone because teams are calling them like left and right. They're trying to make it look like they're not proactively dealing their 28-year-old franchise quarterback who they just paid because it would make them look bad. I, I mean, either way, it's it's a total mess, and there's no excuse. You can you can blame Wentz, you can blame them, you can blame the coaches, you can blame everyone, but there is no reason that five years into his career, uh, Carson Wentz should be traded. I mean, this is just you can. Jalen Hurts may end up being a good quarterback for them, but that that draft pick, the way that it has had ripple effects, um, it's. It's insane. I mean, the Eagles are a mess right now as an organization. The the um, what what I just just an opinion of mine is that with all the the I don't know I guess rumors or the speculation and the reports in terms of the trade and how much interest, how much non-interest, whether they can get a match that all that stuff is just I feel like is hurting the Eagles quote unquote leverage in their efforts to ultimately deal Carson Wentz if that's ultimately the decision that they've come to which it sounds like they have it's the it just seems like the more and more that it comes out that he doesn't want to be there and the Eagles know that he doesn't want to be there 
from a draft leverage and a business standpoint, you don't really have much leverage and you're not going to be able to get as much of a haul as maybe the Lions were um, because teams know that this guy does not want to play for you and you don't want to, and you, and your, and your relationship with him on your side as well has ended. So from that standpoint, uh, to your point, right, it's kind of, it's a mess. Um, Yeah. And the the thing that, the thing that would change that is if another team is absolutely in love with Carson Wentz. And I don't know that, the the interest in him the love for him would be that much more than you know a more uh, an inexpensive option uh you know for instance the colts um frank reich you know let's just say he he does love working with carson wentz he loves the idea of having carson wentz as his next quarterback with the colts the price that the eagles feel comfortable whether it's from an optic standpoint they don't want to look like they're selling off Wentz's contract like they did with Jared Goff. And I, and I guarantee you they will not do that. Um, you know, if it comes down to that, they'll just swallow the pill and make it and make him come back in a really ugly situation because uh, what kind of like Vince is saying, the stubbornness, I mean, they're going to look, they've already messed it all up, but they will mess it up even more if Howie Roseman sells off Carson Wentz for, you know, whatever it may be, the low, the low cost, but let's just say you're the Colts. You love him. Is it worth that gap between uh, paying a premium for Carson Wentz or taking a chance on Sam Darnold, who's on a cheaper deal. You can get out of it or, or trying to trade up to draft a a younger guy. Who's who isn't coming off a season where he looked broken. Um, I just don't know. I think you're absolutely right. I don't know that the market is there. The one thing that I think has been, the biggest holdup to this idea that Carson Wentz is gone, like a sure thing. What is the market? Because I don't know if the bears are that in love with the idea. Uh, The Colts have been a logical fit all along. The Broncos, I think are kind of a long shot that could, that could swing into things. But look, even with Matthew Stafford off the market, I mean, there are other potential alternatives that are cheaper or you know you look at uh, a sam darnold jimmy garoppolo is a domino that could fall um you know kirk cousins i don't think he's getting moved but san francisco could call about him you've got three or four guys that could go uh you know in the top end of the draft i mean teams i don't think are lining up at the eagles door even if they want you to believe and and what I what I think, and I, if, if you follow Cody on CBS Sports, and and correct me if I'm wrong, if my reading comprehension is is lacking, <laughs> which it has in the past, it sounds as though the real guy that really needs to be held accountable in your in your estimation is Howie Roseman, and it seems like he's getting away. Yeah, I mean, I think all Philadelphia would would agree with that sentiment. I think yeah. that so before the season was over, um, we did a story about who deserves the blame for this Eagles. 2020 season and you know if you look at the three figureheads roseman peterson wentz they're all part of it they all have a big piece so it's not like one is is way above the other but in my mind and a lot in a lot of people's mind howie roseman is clearly the number one because the roster assembly he hit on almost every addition that he needed to in 2017 he got I don't know. I don't want to say lucky, but he, he hit the evaluations with guys like Chris Long, Patrick Robinson, LeGarrette Blunt, guys that you might have forgot were on the Eagles, but they <laughs> all came on at the exact right time. Nick Foles came back as, as the backup. Um, you know, you had guys up and down the roster. Uh, but lately, you know, he surrounded Carson Wentz with guys like, you know, Alshon Jeffrey gave him an extension. I mean, the guy barely played this year or last. Deshaun Jackson barely played this year or last. These are at critical positions to the quarterback's growth, you know, left tackle, wide receiver. Um, and the roster construction, not only uh, has it been subpar in terms of on-field results, now Nick Sirianni and the new staff have one heck of a cap situation to get around. Um, so I think, yeah, Howie Roseman uh, it has been chiefly at fault, but the problem is Jeffrey Lurie has trusted him uh, for decades is kind of his right-hand man. The entire state of Pennsylvania, as far as sports teams go, I feel, are feeling the pain as far as cap situations right now. So we understand the pain there. Right. Uh, and, and, and I want to transition, unless you have anything more 
uh, Vince for uh, Cody about the Philadelphia Eagles. No, like, you know, I we can to talk about on. Uh, uh, the Eagles all day. And one day we will sit down and talk about the Eagles all day. Um, but now I'm ready to move on. Cody, the Steelers are entering an offseason left with many questions. And right now, um, probably more questions than they have answers. And a large part of that is because, A, uh, they, are, they are also in salary cap hell, which is nothing new to them. However, with the global pandemic that, just, that we're in the midst of, has severely affected revenue and will severely impact, impact the salary cap and will bring the salary cap down. Uh, is gonna is gonna hurt the Steelers. Um, so they're waiting to see what that cap number is gonna be. They've got a thirty gonna be thirty nine year old quarterback with a forty one million dollar cap hit that they have to address. Um, they made moves uh, in the, on the coaching staff that left a lot to be desired. If you ask some folks, uh, getting rid of Randy Feetner was uh, received uh, by many as a good thing, but bringing only high um, promoting. Matt Canada from the quarterback coach who doesn't have any professional offensive coordinator uh, experience, just the one year of quarterback coach last year and everything else is in college. And while he's done great things in college, we don't know what he's capable of at the professional level. They hired uh, Adrian Clem to replace Sean Ferrett um, at the offensive line coach. Clem has been the assistant offensive line coach for two years. That wasn't really well received by many Um as well as bringing in Mike Sullivan, who is a longtime quarterback coach uh, in, the, in the NFL. And there's a couple other hires, you know, mo- but those are the most notable ones. And the reality is I want to start here with your thoughts and assessment, really, just on how the Steelers season. Vince and I have already expressed ourselves on previous episodes, just going 11-0 to only to then finishing 12-4 and and then to perform the way they did in the, in the wild card round against Cleveland. I guess from your perspective, a non-biased Pittsburgh perspective. What was your overall assessment? I mean, I'll probably be echoing a lot of what you've already shared, but I think that, um, you know, the way they finished is is key there. I mean, we look at a team like the Buccaneers who just won the Super Bowl. I mean, they started well. They had a rough stretch in the middle, and then they turned it on when it mattered. I mean, they, they won, what was it, I think, eight straight games to close the season. Um, and so we've seen that time and time again with, with Super Bowl. You know, sometimes it isn't the team that gets – hot at the right time, but there is a lot to that. Um, and so when you look at the Steelers, I mean, man, at a certain point there uh, in the early and middle parts of the season, I think people were, were penciling in the Steelers as the AFC team in the Super Bowl. And and it looked, even though that offense, and we talked before on the podcast, even though the offense was kind of dinking and dunking a lot, I mean, it was working. It was efficient. The defense was, was playing well. Um, if they could keep that up, it's just the question was, when they had to go toe-to-toe uh, in a big game with a good team, were they going to be able to do it? And, and they came pretty close uh, to coming back against the Browns. And so maybe it's a lot different if, if things swing a little bit in that game. But I still think you got major concerns, you know, because you look at when they did uh, begin that downward trajectory, it's not a coincidence that the downward trajectory also happened under center uh, with Ben Roethlisberger. And so – Obviously, that's a that's a segue right into your quarterback situation, which I think is has got to be answered. But I mean, I just look at the the Steelers uh, in general. You know, since losing the Super Bowl in, in 2010, they're three and six in the playoffs. They haven't won uh, more than one playoff game in five years. And so, look, Mike Tomlin deserves all the credit in the world for keeping them in the hunt. That's never a question. But getting over the hump, I mean, man, it's uh, you got a big. Big decision to make at quarterback. In <clears throat> including this is I'm not sure this is Dimitri. Including the last Super Bowl that Ben played in, he has been down by three touchdowns in three of his playoff games. Do you put that on him or do you put that on the rest of the team? Well, he's thrown pick sixes, or there has been a play that's led directly to a touchdown by a turnover on those open on one of those drives. So I think, I think I put, I do put a lot of that on him and I've, I put a lot of, a lot of that in my Tom, you know, our last podcast, we kind of had the blame game, you know, where how much of this, and I actually put much more of it on Mike Tomlin because Mike Tom, you know, our owner said that, you know, he thought that the team was ready to play, which almost fell out of my chair. Okay. Cause anybody who watched that first quarter, that was embarrassing. And so 
to not get too deep into that, I personally feel like the Steelers are completely stuck. I think they are, you know, they're in the next two to three years for from being, you know, just and they're not going to be extremely bad and they're not going to be extremely good. There's going to be a lot, a lot of mediocre, a lot of seven and nines, nine and sevens, just kind of dancing around this. And until they make a move to either move off of Ben or decide that they're going to do something else, that's the only way I can see them leading out of the tunnel or getting somewhere else. Because this window with Ben, it's done. It's over, and it's okay to say that. But we, we got to move on. Even though the best thing for the 2021 Steelers may be that Ben is under center, the Super Bowl window is done. Okay, They're going to be seriously depleted on defense because they're going to lose a lot of pieces. And then on offense, that you're going to lose Jesus Schuster. So you have to replace him. You're going to lose James Conner. You have to reach one offensive line. All right, you have aging pieces all around. And so, and then you're going to have to have Ben adapt to an offensive coordinator that prefers to do things with a lot of uh, a lot of movement, per se, for lack of a better term. And as we saw Ben trying to chase down a snap that went in the Ohio River, the first play of the game, mm-hmm. you know, that's not his, his experience or his expertise, per se. So I think I think you're hitting the nail. I mean, it, it's it's a tough pill to swallow if you're a Steelers fan, um, but I think that you have a point that if ever there were an offseason where kind of a clean break makes sense, it might be this one, especially, you know, even even with Mike Tomlin sticking around, um, l- like you said, do you want to dance around 500 and kind of on the fringe again? Uh, or do you want to start fresh? Because I think you have a point. I mean, how you can't expect a defense to be carrying the weight for that many more seasons. You certainly can't expect Ben at his age to, especially if there's moving parts on the, on the coaching staff and in the lineup. Um, yeah, I, it's tough. I mean, I think you're kind of, and Dimitri, you may have uh, compared the Steelers kind of to the Saints a little bit in terms of the, you know, since they went to the Super Bowl, they've been kind of, you know, mediocre as playoff contenders. I think they're in similar, you know, positions just from a standpoint of the coach has been there for a while. The quarterback's been there for a while. We see Drew Brees is now expected to step out and the Saints are going to start a little bit of a rebuild at uh, quarterback, whether that's with Jameis Winston whether that's with the draft pick we don't know about. Um, but they they have it, – it appears to be they have some kind of succession plan in place. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a good one, but they're kind of at that crossroads where the Saints, look, they've been contenders for a long time. Sean Payton's a revered coach. Mike Tomlin's a revered coach. The Drew Brees, one of the best to do it. Ben, one of the best of his time. I think that, you know, it makes sense. The question is – if Ben says, you know, I, I really want to play, what do you do then? What do you want to be? Well, the reports are the Steelers and Ben. And then he, I mean, uh, um, I think the best chance absolutely. of the Steelers to compete next year is with seven at quarterback. I'd also agree with Art Rooney that the Steelers and Ben, uh, well, the Steelers will not be able to. Uh, go into next year with that contract, which is what I was getting ready to say, is that they are comp- apparently reportedly meeting the Steelers and, and Ben this this week um, to determine whether or not they can come to an agreement on what they should do with their contract. There's multiple scenarios. I'm not getting into them. But the reality is the Steelers have made it clear that they would like Ben back, but they also have made it clear to Ben that they will not have him back at his current salary. Um, and so unless they can come to an agreement uh, on that, um, he won't be back. So it's a matter of right, really a financial situation at this moment because of the fact that the salary cap, the Steelers have always been a team that will restructure deals, push uh, money further and further down the road. Reason being is because every year the NFL brings in more and more and more money. It's a, it's a, it's a gajillion dollar business and they owe, and the salary cap continues to go up. And there was already an expectation with the new CBA that the this this uh, upcoming year salary cap was going to go up more than it usually yeah. does. It usually goes up what five to ten million. Uh, there was an expectation it was going to go up even more than that. So that's kind of why they do their. That's why they're open to just restructuring and pushing money down the road. But obviously now that kind of caught up to them. So from the standpoint of the fact that the Steelers uh, know that they can't go do it at that number, if they're able to agree to something with Ben again, whether it's restructure, whether it's a pay, whatever the case is. Um, or an ex- or a dummy extension, whatever. Um, I. It seems to me that it's in Ben's that. hands. Then, uh, if you're telling me that the Steelers genuinely 
Um, they genuinely want him back. If that's the case, even with the changes that are coming, it seems to me it's it's entirely in Ben's hands because it's either up to him to say, I'm going to take the pay cut or I'm not. And if he's not, he's not going to play for someone else, is he? No. Which, no, and, and, and you're absolutely right. And um, Art Rooney spoke a couple of weeks ago and right after uh, Ed Bouchet of The Athletic, obviously formerly of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and also an IUP alum, he, Ben, I guess, reached out to or, or vice versa. And Ben basically said that he agreed with everything that Art Rooney said about wanting to, him wanting to come back and the Steelers wanting him back um, and that he was willing to – he doesn't care about his money this year. Um, acknowledging he's probably got one year left. And he says, I don't care about my money this year. Now, again, when push comes to sub, we'll see. You know, obviously, crazy Yinzer Nation is saying, okay, play for the veterans minimum. That ain't happening. But um, I think Ben has said it many times this this past year. He he felt like that was a special team. He knows that he's got a special defense that lost two huge pieces uh, to season-ending injuries in Devin Bush and Bud Dupree. Obviously, Bud Dupree is a free agent, likely not to be back. But he understands that he's got a really good defense. Um, and I think, you know, it's now it's, it's a question of uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, of, a, of a situation where Ben's got to really sit back and really think about it because his handpicked off is really bad is not there anymore. Um, and while there's reports. <laughs> well, that's true. And there's reports that him and Matt Canada did get along actually pretty well. This in his, in his one and only year with Ben. Um, and obviously if Pouncey retires, which is what there was reports of a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot to take in. So, but to answer your question in a long circle or convoluted way, I just answered. Yes, I would like Ben back, um, but I don't. I I I I, I don't know. The more and more I hear about these reports, that that it's 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 a, there's every any time someone says there's a chance he's not going to be back, leads me to believe that. You know, maybe Ben does care about the money he or makes this he year. Or he just doesn't – uh, or the money him, that he's going to make doesn't necessarily uh, make up for the challenge ahead. I mean, that's uh, – like Vince said, I mean, even if he got along well with, you know, Matt Canada, I mean, that's a that's a big thing to do at his age, I guess, to be – you know, if we're going to reinstall, you know, or, or change the offense. And then, I, I mean, I – one of the things in my mind too, he has to keep in mind, you know, who's he going up against to try? I mean, cause the goal, if he's coming back is super bowl or bust. I mean, there's right. no other thing at this point in his career. I'm not saying that the Lamar Jackson's and the, you know, whoever at Josh Allen's are insurmountable, but he's got to look around the conference too and be like, okay, at the end goal here, if I'm coming back, we're going to the super bowl. That's, that has to be what we're doing. And that means you're getting past, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. That means you're getting past whoever Deshaun Watson's playing for. It means you're getting past, above all, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And I don't mean that's a reason to sit at home and you know not come back. But at his age, given all the other circumstances, I think it it is a factor. I mean, to look at the Steelers' path to a championship, and that includes what's on his own team. It also includes what's going on around the NFL. It. I, I'm also sitting you, you brought up Dimitri. I'm sick of having to hear about this. Well, does he get along? I don't give a rat's behind. We had to hear this about Todd Haley when they were putting up monster numbers every year. And because of that, there's some friction between the quarterback and the offense coordinator. We need to go and get back. I think we will look back in maybe five years and say, what a waste of space Randy Feetner was and what a waste of talent on this offense. Honestly. Honestly, that's how strongly, like, from the moment that he stepped on the field or they started each season, they've progressively got worse on offense each year. That what that's not a that's not a mystery. All right. That's the person calling the plays. And if it was on defense, you could blame Mike Tomlin, but Mike Tomlin don't call plays on offense. All right. That was either the quarterback or the guy that was just his best friend that wouldn't tell him no in any particular situation. So, you know. And that's nothing. Does Ben want to fight with that? I just don't like if it's just for one more year and he wants paid all this money and, you know, we're having to jump through hoops and do the dance just to get people under the cap and restructure this. And if it involves sacrificing more than $10 million down the line, I am against it. I'm against it. It's I can look back fondly personally as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and say that was fun. That was so fun for those years. I don't know when I'm going to get it again. 
that was so damn fun. Let's go. Thank you for everything. And he he will be revered. There there what what else is there left to do for Ben in Pittsburgh? Nothing. Nothing besides besides getting the Super Bowl. I don't think that can happen right now. So I'm, Vince I'm, is giving a very realistic. Um, I mean, someone could read it as being pessimistic, but I don't. I think that you're being, and, and you're seeing that. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger, if he were to retire tomorrow, I mean, he would go. He's already a Steelers great. I mean, he is. Uh, he's big. He's yeah. big Ben, and and I he's think you're absolutely right. The Steelers have to, or they should be weighing. Now, if they're putting it in Ben's hands. That's on them. If he's going to decide whether he wants to come back and they have to finagle everything else to make him comfortable. But if it were, if the Steelers were taking charge here, I think it is right to balance this idea of, can we actually compete for another Super Bowl in 2021? Like, can we go all in in 2021? Because if not, it makes sense right now to pull the plug and say, thank you so much. We'll see you at the, uh, the team hall of fame ceremony. We'll see at the. I mean, would they retire his jersey? Is that likely? Uh they didn't retire twelve. Okay. So. Well, we'll see you. We'll see you somewhere, and you know, you move on. But yeah, it's not an easy conversation. That's why I'm curious. Would Ben actually? They didn't retire exactly. twelve. Yeah. They would. Like would no ben, seven, though. Sorry. Would he actually? Uh, because if he does say, "I'm going to hang it up after these meetings about the finances." Would he actually – I don't know if this is too simplistic of a way to look at it, but would he actually be okay with the notion that he is walking away because of finances? Because that's how it will be perceived if they meet. There's a, there's a couple angles too, Cody. I didn't mean to cut you off your question off, but there's that standpoint, but also a lot of people have said, how does he well, walk his own He for 500 yards. Performance? Yeah. Well – he also threw two interceptions in the first quarter. That well, I can see both sides there because if you take Ben at his word were. when he always says, well, if I play like this, I shouldn't be playing anymore. Well, I mean, it, he could take that first half and use that as justification um, or, or the way the season finished. I, I get Vince's standpoint a thousand percent, and I agree. I think, you know, there was definitely a thought there when I was watching the Super Bowl and – um, one of the one of the playoff games in the AFC where I, I, not involving the Steelers, obviously, but I, I, I agree. I, I, said, I had the same thought. Wow, the Steelers aren't even close, not even close. I was like, they're not even close, and you know, the they're not close as currently constructed. And if it's if, if it's literally a matter of them getting rid of Randy Feetner and basically getting an offensive coordinator, here's the, here's the problem. I don't believe for a second that all of a sudden Ben's going to be this yes man in his last year and is just going to do whatever is asked of him, whether it's go under center more, do more play action, be more committed to running the ball, whatever the case is. Um, I just I, I just don't see that. And so they were like when I had that moment, it's just like. Well, Mason Rudolph isn't going to be the guy that's going to change it either. And so I think Vincent said it to me uh, off air, and I think maybe in one of our last episodes, he's kind of open to the idea of just saying, you know, let Ben ride off in the sunset here. Start Mason. See how it goes. The problem is the Steelers are good enough to still win six, seven games. Um, but the thought process is let Mason, and maybe you, you have, you know, you're obviously you're definitely probably might have your first lose of the season. And you get uh you get in that top ten range of the draft to be able to move up. Well, now to you're get a quarterback now you're next in year. exactly the um, position because we've talked about both PA teams here. If the Eagles trade Carson Wentz, that's the position because you either I mean, well, the Eagles will have the option because they have a top, you know, they have a number six pick in the draft. But let's say they ride with Jalen Hurts, um, you know, also a a mid you know a second round pick. Mason was a third, but um. The, the danger, like you said, you outlined that first, is that Mason Rudolph or Jalen Hurts or a guy that you put in there is good enough to get you to 500 or about there, and then you're back to the idea of having to give up a lot to go get a quarterback. Um, now, I don't know that you know letting Ben walk, you're able to, you know, you're just going to gain, I guess, financial relief. You're not going to gain, um, you know, compensation for that quarterback replacement. But I don't know. 
No. And, and, and I agree, right? And it's, it's one of those things where the Steelers have got to really weigh – they've really got – I think Art Rooney and, and Mike Tomlin and, the, and Kevin Colbert, the entire organization has really got to look in the mirror and, and really evaluate what, what, where they are and where they're going. And they cannot, to your point, I think Vince made it earlier, they cannot allow one more yeah. year of Ben dictate how they operate. Um, and I think that's huge for them. And I think they have got to make that decision. And, again, you're looking at a guy, Ben comes back, you know, despite what we, us three, or maybe even most people in the, in the, in, in that, cut, that watched and follow the NFL, regardless of what we think, it has become apparent that the Steelers feel way better about Mason Rudolph than most. And so if their thought process is that maybe he could still be the next guy or at least a guy that mm-hmm. could start for them for a couple of years, his contract's up after this year. And if Ben comes back, you have literally the, the, the 10 games that he started as your as – your, what, what kind of market – I'm not saying you're going to have a huge market, but what, from Mason, what are you going to command if you're going to be the like, – there's just so many things that they have to navigate through that uh, – I, 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 I don't know what the oh, best go way ahead, to Vince. go about it is. It's like – if you, if Ben comes back, as you said, they are, it will not have a quarterback on contract for the following year. Zero. And, and that can't happen. Talk about no bridge. You're just staring across the canyon at that point. All right. So, and, you know, you could be, you could be nine and eight or whatever that would be, or 10 and seven, whatever that was. And you're just, you're stuck at the 20th pick in the draft with your thumb, you know in the middle of nowhere. So I, I just, yeah, I, I think and I, it's and I would fun. argue that if Ben does come back, I mean, you're talking about Mason Rudolph, uh, his contract being up, you know, if he sits, let's say Ben makes it through the whole 2021 season and, and then you're at another crossroads and I, you know, I would assume maybe that would be it. I mean, I don't know. Would Ben play another season beyond that? I don't think so. I mean, that he'd be going to the 40. Yeah, it's because but if but if Mason sits, no. I mean his market is probably even more unpredictable because let's say he starts next year and he looks, you know, so so the Steelers can get by probably by letting him walk or getting him on the cheap on kind of a two-year, you know, a, a prove it kind of a deal. But if he sits, you're going to have some teams that might uh might pay because he's going to be only what 26. He's going to be a former, you know, third-round pick, a guy that you know, somebody might believe in. And so the price might be, you don't want to be paying for an unproven Mason Rudolph going into 2022 as your starter. Here's, here's a scenario that I know Vince does not want to involve. Um, Does it involve Dwayne Haskins? It's not anywhere near a foregone. It's not anywhere. It does involve Dwayne Haskins. There's, this is not even a foregone conclusion. This is not, he's not even a guarantee to make the damn team next year. My point is, is I, I think the Steelers feel um, that obviously the Washington football team now they're headed in the right direction. I think outside their owner with Riverboat Ron, I like I like Ron Rivera as a head coach. I think he's a man that could build a strong foundation and a good culture. But I think there's a there's a thought process that that Dwayne went into a not so great Washington football team organization at the time and a bad culture and really just. He didn't help himself, uh, and there's, he has to hold himself accountable. But certainly from an organizational standpoint, Washington and Pittsburgh are on totally two different ends of the spectrum. And I do think that the reason the Steelers went and, and, and had brought him in and, and signed him, again, low, low risk, high reward. I know people are saying low risk and low reward, but I truly think it's a low risk, high reward. This is a guy that, regardless of what you think about him now, after playing two years in the NFL, he was a, a first-round pick, top 15 uh, quarterback. Um, at a big school, and the reality is if you get him in the situation where he's got some talent around him, which he will in Pittsburgh, he's got a good foundation. Now he's got – now the Steelers finally have, you know, uh, you know now they have another quarterback coach, Mike Sullivan, who's been around the block, coached Eli Manning um, back when he was, I think, a rookie. You know, and he's got a good track record for the most part. Um, he's learned if Ben comes back, he gets to learn under year of Ben. Although, you know, you can say what you want about Ben. I don't know in his last year, he's going to be that much of a mentor, but, um, the reality is there is a potential that the Steelers have themselves because if let's say he does make the roster and after the year, they decide that they want to bring him back. He's a restricted free agent. And again, it's going to cost them pennies and they're going to have a ton of cap 
ton of cap space after this year. Um, there's a possibility that whether it's a bridge or the next, I don't know, but that's also in the back of their mind, which is why I think because of Mason's contract situation, with the uncertainty with Ben and how long he's going to play, I think that's another reason, another option that we can't dismiss that if Dwayne Haskins comes out and, and, and performs well, whether there's a preseason or not, or whatever kind of exposure he gets this year before, the, you know, obviously because he won't play in the regular season um, unless Ben retires and he makes the team as a backup. Um, there's an opportunity for Dwayne Haskins to potentially throw his well, name in there. Either, I don't think we I think can discuss there's, that. There's a reason, you know. I mean, there's a there, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, you can't you know, count things on that will happen. It's a long shot, that, but I think that's an interesting one. That I, I know, cer- certainly not, certainly not to count on it. Certainly not, not even a guarantee. Like I said, to make the team. But my point is, you know, I think that that. I would be I would be intrigued by something like that. You know, listen, at best, maybe the Steelers pick at fifteen next year. If the if the um, at, or at worst, maybe the Steelers are picking fifteen um, next year. That, that's worst case scenario. Maybe maybe Mason fights for a playoff spot. This I'm talking about. If Ben doesn't come back next year and they're starting Mason, worst case scenario is you know from a from a draft and trying to find the next guy. Um, and you know Mason does just enough to get them to a nine and seven, and maybe they sneak in as a seven seed. You know that that's from a from a long term perspective, that's a guy that yeah you can win some games with, but you're not going to win Super Bowl with. Because I think they, I think that's that's the goal now. I think a lot of times back in the day, you wanted to get the next guy to make you compete for division t- titles and, and get in the playoffs. You know with the young quarterbacks that are in, the, that are in the, especially the AFC, that you got to find not a guy not to just get you the playoffs. You got to find you got to find a guy that's going to win you okay, the same thing. Correct. Correct. But I'm just saying my point was Dwayne Haskins is a guy that can throw himself into the hat of potential next quarterbacks with Mason. And and, and honestly, if Ben doesn't come back, I'd be more interested in seeing if Dwayne could beat out Mason, which he won't. The knock but, on Dwayne Haskins uh, coming that, out of college would be, would was his lack of mobility. Like and in this offense, I, I don't – I don't know. I don't see that as being an asset. Listen, like I said, I'm not saying I'm not banking on anything with Dwayne Haskins. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking. You know, that's a you're talking about investing, right? They 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 put a dollar into this, hoping that that stock blows up. And and by well, next there's going to be there's going to be a lot of that and if so, Ben retires, uh, whether it's this year, next year. Who I mean, knows? If you're not, especially if you're not drafting high. I mean that's that's what you do. You got to take swings. I mean when you when you have the luxury of having a franchise quarterback for a decade plus, two decades, I mean you forget how how many swings sometimes you have to take uh, to land that guy again, and uh, it's not easy. Well, the Steelers knows Steeler fans know from 1983 to 2004 how awful it can be without having a franchise quarterback. And obviously the Eagles, um, you know, they had some guys in the 80s and 90s with Randall Cunningham, Jaworski. And then obviously they got Donovan, and then they transitioned from Donovan. They had a couple of their bleak uh, – not not really a couple, but they went from kind of like, oh, we're going to do Kevin Cobb, and then it went to Michael Vick, who ended up laps. falling to their laps. Uh, not falling to their laps, but they, you know, invested in him. Again, that's an investment that they made. They invested in, in Michael Vick. And, you know, it, it took yeah, a year just, or two. And next, next thing you know, he signed another $100 million contract. Not the same. Uh, yeah, but sure. my point is, things like that I, happen. I, I, I don't. Look, he doesn't deserve. Vince does not want to hear look, about it. Look, it'll be a fun a, training camp Ohio story, State, but he certainly, B, I don't think don't at this like point in the situation, he deserves more than, you know, a few minutes of the conversation. The reason that he is not with the Washington football team is not because of his field sure. play. That sure. is where I, my argument will end. I hear you. I hear you. Ultimately, just to wrap up the show, uh, Cody and Vince, obviously the state of Pennsylvania and their football teams are in a complete state of flux um, when it comes to quarterbacks. Obviously, the Eagles have coaching changes as well as the Steelers, but not on the uh, grand scheme like the, like the Eagles do. I just want to ask, you guys' opinion. Let's say Ben uh, is not the quarterback of the Steelers in 2021 and Carson Wentz is traded. 
who has the better year. Way too early to predict that. We haven't want to have any. I'm not. I'm not giving any draft results. We don't know free agency. Whatever. Who has the better season next year? If that's the situation, Ben's um, not there. The Steelers have the top schedule in the I'll league next year. Uh, it's bad. It's the perfect year to not have a quarterback and try to get a, a high draft pick. So I'm going to say that the Steelers will have a worse record. I just have to spend my time mentally preparing for that. Um, so <laughs> we'll go from there. But yeah, I would say, especially you know, you just look at the games that the Steelers have to play in the division and this, the games that the Eagles have to play in the division. You would think. You know, and then outside of that, the Steelers have to play Josh Allen. They have to play Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. These are not jokes. So, yeah, I would say the Eagles have a better record. I was hoping that Vince would have to answer that first. I was actually – I was actually at first, you know, my gut feeling was, yeah, I don't know. You might have sold me. I mean, I I was uh, – my gut feeling initially was Steelers because I just like the foundation better. And obviously they've got – a lot more returning pieces, even if you're going to have guys like Juju, uh, you know, heading out the door. But man, I, you know, I don't love the idea of if Ben leaves, I don't know, you know, where you sit on Mason. I know you said you can win some games with him, maybe make a playoff run, but I'm not like, I'm not a big Mason Rudolph guy. And I think that, um, you know, maybe the new offensive coordinator would, would do some, some wonders for him. But again, Vince said, you know, you're going to have to replace pieces on both sides of the ball. And I guess you make a valid point there with the AFC versus NFC East um, competition. And then I thought, you know, uh, yeah. It's the great unknown with the Eagles. Well, the thing is you can't can't be a whole lot worse than the Eagles were on offense in 2020. And they won four games. And so none of their talent was really maximized. And so if, Nick Sirianni can maximize a little bit, whether it's Jalen Rager uh, and Jalen Hurts didn't look horrible in those four games. So maybe I think you, you sold me. Yeah. It'll be a difference between a six win team. and a so five-win I, I, team. Ahead, It's like, really if sorry. I would describe the quarterback situation, it's like, you know, when you have two day old pizza and you heat it up, it's still pizza, but it's just not the same. It's just not the same Some, with that fresh out. The sometimes oven. leftover pizza can be good. I know, but that's why I threw in that two-day-old piece because, you know, okay, it, yeah. it just dries out by then. Even if you put it in the oven, okay? It's just like you, you, know, you, you can polish a lot of things, but at the end of the day, the they're still the same thing. What, I mean, is Mason Rudolph, like, how many days? You think it's only two? Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to be too – yeah, I'm not See, trying to be too I, hard. I, I understand. Look, no, I, Cody, and I'll, I'll really quick – No. No, no, no. He's a backup and, and, like quarterback. I, said, I just truly think he's a great he's backup quarterback. Just but here's there. the yeah, That's and we it. don't need to debate Mason Rudolph too much. Um, a great backup quarterback. If you like, Vince listen, put, your quarterback could be down for two games. Though, I'm like, now. all right. As far as a backup, uh, Mason Rudolph. Would you rather? Would you rather Mason real for, quick for Mason eight weeks? Whoa, up like two to three games. Okay. Then you need a you need a stopgap. All right, no. I mean, okay. if he, eight game, if he can win five games out of that if you play the right teams. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, the big question would be um, in the scenario where Ben's not back and he's given 16 games, um, you know, we saw what, how the Steelers finished the year. Well, he had a ticket. He right. Had a 10, but six, that was with that support. He played all 16 um, games last and year. So ben maybe out. that looks a little different. Maybe he's not throwing to. Juju, who's still putting up big numbers. Uh, the the only reason I want to see him next year is because he's obviously going to have a lot of motivation to prove it. It's the last year's deal. He's going to have a new coordinator that wants to prove it to Pittsburgh that they, he can work, all right, because they're in a lot of offensive scrutiny. So if they can get anything going and if he looks good, then, okay, I, I'll believe in his upside. But if he looks just like the same way he did, you know, as soon as pressure comes, he just folds and, you know, he's throwing picks, then I'm like, all right, this is, this is who the guy is. You know, so we'll see. It, 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 it would be a great year to figure that out. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, it's been a great episode. Uh, again, can't thank Cody enough for spending some time with us. He's a very busy man, so we appreciate him taking some time. It's going to be a fun off season. I was hoping that 
uh, while we were doing the show, we got a breaking news here on a Carson Wentz situation, but that obviously didn't come to fruition. I, odds are in a couple hours, we'll get it. We'll get an alert across our, our, our televisions that he's been traded, but uh, Cody, again, can't thank you enough. We'll be paying attention closely to the Eagles on the other side of the state and what's going on with there. And as they continue their off season and potential monster deal with Carson Wentz and obviously uh, keep an eye on the Steelers and what happens with Ben Roethlisberger and a lot of other veterans, as, as Vince alluded to earlier, I think almost 20 unrestricted free agents that are set to uh, be up for grab. So it'll be an interesting off well, season. But sounds to me like we might have to be uh, talking you know, again. There's a lot of, uh, you you know, a lot of uncertainty with both teams. So, you know, emergency podcasts. Emergency. Listen, or if ben. you're if you're when that news drops, meaning Carson, you know, hopefully the football. Well, I was gonna say and, maybe they do it on the same the football night. Football gods and God Himself can <laughs> align it properly for us. Uh, well, maybe, maybe it's a Ben retires drop. and Carson's right. going to the Steelers. That's my thought. That's my thought. Um, I'm just messing. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. Oh, not with that contract. Um, but again, uh, great show. Uh, very appreciative of that, Vince. Uh, I'm sure you and I will have more to come. Obviously, we want to uh, start outlining our positions yeah. and, and recapping some of the uh, players' performances this past year. We'll hopefully have that outlined here soon. But again, Cody, can't thank you enough. Thank you for joining us again. Cody Benjamin from CBS Sports. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Follow him on CBSSports.com. Yeah, don't Guys, take it too far. Star yeah. in, the, in the sports writing and, and media uh, business, please. No, no, he's fine. He's fine. He's doing fine. Right. He just put out another Why book. we need the movies. Uh, also, yeah, Vince is a read. Yeah. Why, why we need the movies. And then his Got Twitter it. is at Cody J. Why Benjamin. It's also CodyJBenjamin.com in case you so, want to reach out. Got it. Right, thanks for having me on, guys. Excellent, excellent. But again, guys, thank